welcome to episode three of Tech Swamp. Of course, we have our hosts and your friendly neighborhood membership team here today. Hey, Nick. Hey, Alex. Caitlin. What's up? You know, just chilling. <laughs> and me, Alex. Um, today we're doing a South by Southwest ACT panel debrief, where we'll be talking accessibility and the hashtag new caller revolution. And for the first time ever, TechSwamp will feature two of our members. Betsy Furler and Justin Hall will join us later. But first, we're going to talk tech history and run through some DC headlines. So this month in tech history, on March 21st, 2006, the world's first tweet was sent. It was tweeted by Twitter's co-founder, Jack Dorsey, and it read in all lowercase, inviting coworkers. Originally, you could only use 140 characters in your tweets until recently, November 2017, when it was doubled to 280. Mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know where Nick stands. <laughs> Got it. Um, in 2010, um, it was one of the 10 most visited websites. Um, and as of 2017, Twitter had more than 330 million monthly active users, which apparently is Nick's worst nightmare now that there are 280 characters. And speaking of Twitter, are you guys following us yet? Um, make sure you do, at ACT members. Go. Do. And that's it for Tech History. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in DC. Caitlin, what's going on? Well, you may or may not have heard about this little thing called the Cloud Act. You know the legislation we've been plugging for the last two podcasts? And in the video with Graham that we pushed all over social media? And the constant tweeting of the hashtag Cloud Act that you may have seen on Twitter no less than, I don't know, a thousand times since last Wednesday? <laughs> it's just a few. <laughs> I think that's the one. Well, guys, the Cloud Act was included in the latest spending bill known as the Omnibus. Last Wednesday night, the omnibus came to be and quickly passed both the House and Senate with significantly less fanfare. A.K.A. no government shutdown. Well, there was a threat of a government shutdown early on Friday when President Trump tweeted that he was considering vetoing the bill over his concerns for the DACA program and funding for the border wall. Ultimately, though, he did sign the bill Friday afternoon. But that was still less fanfare than the previous omnibi, omnibuses. Either way, this is great news for Act and our members. The Cloud Act provides a responsible framework that defines cross-border access to data that reduces international conflicts and upholds sovereign policy law, privacy laws. This is an important first step in the ongoing discussion for lawful access to data. Some other good news out of actually more like into the omnibus is the $600 million investment in rural broadband. This money is allocated for a new pilot grant and loan combination program that will be administered by the U.S. Drug Administration to provide broadband under, in underserved rural areas. While this investment is a good start, there is so much work to be done in the area of rural broadband, including the use of TV white spaces. To learn more about the use of TV white spaces, head over to actonline.org slash techswamp and check out our show notes for this episode. We featured all the content you could ever want on all of the things TV white spaces. And in other news, last week, the Trump administration announced that the U.S. intends to place tariffs on about $60 billion of Chinese goods each year. Many of these will be focused on tech-related goods. The tariffs are the first strike in what is likely to be a series of actions the administration intends to take to counter Chinese policies that the administration believes causes U.S. tech companies to lose billions of dollars in intellectual, in intellectual property. There is a 30-day comment period and the possibility of a public hearing. 
It was recently revealed that the voting profile company, Cambridge Analytica, harvested information from Facebook profiles of more than 50 million users without their knowledge. And lawmakers from both sides of the aisle have been reeling ever since. As a result, Mike Zuckerberg has received a friend request to testify in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee on April 12th. I don't know how friendly it is. No, probably not. (laughs) And he's also received an invitation to testify before the House Energy and Commerce Committee. This week, the Federal Trade Commission announced they're investigating the matters as well. We'll make sure to give an update on the judiciary hearing and other details in the next episode of Tech Swamp. And would it really be an episode of Tech Swamp if I didn't mention cryptocurrency? Well, last week, Twitter joined Google, Facebook, and Snapchat in banning ads for cryptocurrency. These social media giants say the move aims to protect users from fraud. Bitcoin prices fell about $7,000 after Twitter's announcement, but later recovered. I was worried. We all were. Today, we're joined by Brian Scarpelli and Roya Stevens from the ACT team to debrief our South by panels and to talk about some of the work we do in these areas. Hey guys, thanks for being here. Hey there. Hi. So for those of you who don't know, ACT held two panels at South by Southwest. Our first panel was focused around the new color revolution and the future of the workforce in a mobile, software-driven economy. Roya, can you walk us through the panel? Hey, I would love to. Um, So we had a really awesome panel at South by Southwest called the New Collar Revolution um, and talked a lot about technology's impact on the future of work and how to prepare our workforce for shifting dynamics and jobs and their job requirements. The panel was was moderated by our president, Morgan Reed, um, and also featured Sarah Calhoun, who is the founder of a women's workwear apparel company called Red Ann's Pants. That's based in, it is, uh, in White Sulphur Springs, Montana and also featured our member, Justin Hall, who is the president of BitSource, which is a company that is based in Pikeville, Kentucky. So our panelists talked a lot about the role of technology on their communities and the changes that it's having on the workforce in terms of the jobs that it's creating and the skills that it's requiring. Uh, Right now in our country, there are 500,000 unfilled computing jobs, largely because there is a huge gap between the skills that these jobs require and the skills that our workforce has. So a really compelling part of the conversation was about the training and apprenticeship programs that are cropping up around the country to equip our workers with the skills they need to fill jobs in tech and otherwise. Both Sarah and Justin actually have implemented their own training and workforce programs in addition to the work that they're doing already, which is pretty incredible, um, but I think also speaks to the real need in their communities for these skills. Um, So Sarah hosts a timbering skills workshop for women that teaches them how to use a chainsaw, how to fell a tree, how to use an axe. I would like to sign up for that. (laughs) As would I. Um, And just teaches a unconventional, non-traditional community about the skills that you would need to enter into a job in forestry. That's awesome. Um, And Justin's company hosted an apprenticeship program for former co-workers in Kentucky um, to teach them how to code, how to program, and how to develop software. Um, When he had this apprenticeship program three years ago, um, they received over a thousand applicants from across Kentucky and Appalachia of people who wanted to learn how to code and develop software, Um, which again speaks to the need for these skills in these unexpected communities. Absolutely. So BitSource ended up hiring about 10 people of those apprentices who now work in the company as coders and support staff. That's so cool. And it's really great to hear about our members really being on the sort of front lines of some of these apprenticeship programs. And I'm curious, is there anything that Congress or the administration is doing to sort of bring this to a more national level so that it's sort of, you know, maybe federally supported instead of private entities? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of what we're seeing thus far in the apprenticeship space is coming from the grassroots level from our members. 
Um, we haven't seen very much from Congress in terms of legislation that is dedicated to apprenticeships, but last summer this administration announced that they were going to be dedicating $200 million for new apprenticeship programs under the Department of Labor. Um, which I think is a really positive step in the right direction. Um, and these apprenticeship programs would combine on-the-job training with classroom instruction, and all apprentices, apprentices would take <laughs> two uh, or so days a week of classes at a local community college or at a technical school without accruing some of the costs of actually going to the school to learn these Which is trades. super important. Super important. So we're seeing a lot of these apprentices cropping up in construction, manufacturing, and other traditional industries, but there's also a space for tech, which is super important. Very. So this uh, program has a very ambitious goal of hiring five million apprentices in the next five years, um, and if they can do that, I think that would be great. It would be huge, especially for, I think, folks in our industry. Yeah. Um, so obviously this is hugely important, especially to our listeners. If you had really one key takeaway from this panel, what would it be? I think my greatest takeaway from the panel was actually something that Justin said, which was that skills are important, but changing the perception about these jobs is really key as well and filling the skills gap. Um, we know that you don't have to be a man to be a lumberjack, and we know that you don't have to live in Silicon Valley to be a coder. Yeah. So I think by adding these skills, but also changing the perception about who can fill these jobs, will push us in the right direction to really hire the people that we need um, to create the next best app in innovation. Definitely. That's great. Thank you, Roya. Um, Okay, so now into our second panel. Um, that panel was on accessibility, and Nick and Brian can kind of give us an overview of the panel and then talk a little bit more about the work that ACT, the App Association, is doing in accessibility more broadly. Okay, great. Thanks, Alex. So first, uh, the panel that we did was called uh, Yes, We Can, Accessibility and Technology, and the panel featured uh, our member, Betsy Furler, who is part of Communication Circles and Your App Lady, uh, Sarah Herlinger, uh, who is from Apple, uh, Haben Gurma, who is a disability rights lawyer, and she was actually the first deaf-blind uh, person to graduate uh, from Harvard Law School, which is fantastic, and Richard Ellenson uh, with the Cerebral Palsy Foundation. So this sort of um, diverse panel that came together, you have um, Betty Fuller, who works in app development, obviously uh, Sarah from Apple, and uh, you know, Haben and, and Richard, who you know, sort of work in the disability community, were able to come together and really talk about um, the different ways that uh, the, the tech community is trying to intersect to make sure that it's as accessible um, for everyone. Uh, and also, one of the big things that was highlighted, uh, at some point we're in our lives, you know, everyone has some sort of disability or, or think that's, that's holding them back. And really trying to get across to those that work in technology uh, to be a little bit more inclusive and understanding uh, of that situation. Uh, it was a great panel, a lot of back and forth with fantastic insights on um, these from their different sort of perspectives. But um, moving to kind of sort of what ACT is doing, uh, Brian, can you talk a little bit about uh, what your work is, is done in the area and, and what we're doing to help yeah, absolutely. And uh, great to be here. Um, I think the panel was very important. Um, I think it's a it's it's a great it's it's a really great indicator to have it be so strongly voted on, you know, um, 
uh, all these panels featured at South by Southwest have to be voted on by basically our peers, the other attendees of the conference widely, right? So it's not just industry. It's not people paying money or sponsors to get on there. It has to be a really compelling uh, story that you want to tell. And, and so we were really encouraged to have that panel accepted because um, it's it's a really it's really of all of all the issues that that you know we get to work on here at the App Association probably one of the most rewarding issues that that we have. Um, it <clears throat> uh, disability access is um, is a is a is a is a humongous issue that touches most of us di very directly whether our parents our friends uh, our neighbors etc. You know, according to uh, the latest statistics from the U.S. government, uh, approximately 20% of, of, of uh, people in the United States have a disability. And, uh, and, and there's a pretty good chance that all of us sitting here in this room and you listening out there uh, will, will experience low vision or, lo or, or become hard of hearing at some point in your life and, and yourself be disabled. Um, technology has, in, I think it's objective statement to say technology has absolutely revolutionized um, accessibility widely uh, for for people with all kinds of disabilities um, not just the ones that you might think about most people would probably think about vision and auditory but cognitive disabilities and um, and and physical impairments um, uh, technology has been the the breakthrough that that uh, people who are experiencing those disabilities have been able to leverage to um, to gain a better experience in their life, uh, make their day to day much better, and, and have have a similar experience to uh, to in, in consuming media and in, in going to public areas, etc. That that those of us without disabilities do enjoy and, and probably take for granted. Also, an increasing number of members who offer some kind of service, you know, app-based or software-based service, who are starting to recognize the fact that, you know, think back to the 20% uh, number that I mentioned there earlier as far as census data, who are starting to recognize that it's a business necessity mm -hmm. to offer disability access. Um, and um, if you think about it maybe a little cynically, you're turning away money as a business. And, and as, as, as you're trying to grow, create new jobs, that's a foolish thing to do, right? So, yeah. um, so there's all different kinds of applications. And so what I'm what I, what I really thinking about when I was talking about those two areas is we have some members who are offering products and services that help, that are targeted towards those with disabilities and improving their experience. And then there's others who offer general services and are in our featuring accessibility features in their products um, and the stories are incredible um, autism is probably the greatest use case that you know that that you might have with enabling breakthroughs but um, it's a really wonderful issue to work on absolutely you can tell I feel that way yeah. and Brian <laughs> you're really leading the charge for act on a lot of these and you really help our members um, sort of give them opportunities to be involved in some high-level discussions can you just give us a brief overview of some of the working groups that you're on and some of the um, some of the work that you do some of the work we're doing you know what does that really mean right um, well there's some kind of formal constructs um, a great example would be a federal advisory committee that the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, formed years ago, uh, which we were appointed to by the chairman of the FCC, 
um, about a year ago um, called the Disability Advisory Committee. The per the, these federal advisory committees, all capital letters at the beginning of each of those words, are these special entities that they form underneath federal agencies with people who are not federal government employees to advise the leadership on some key issue. In this case, disability access to advanced information and communication technology. Where we specifically engage in this advisory committee is in helping the, the FCC understand the needs, um, the way to balance the needs of people with disabilities to access advanced ICT, which I would argue our members make, you know, rather than traditional ICT like a wireline telephone, and balance that with innovation. But a great example would be our uh, our leadership in convening an industry conversation around the needs of, of those with cognitive disabilities. Yeah, um, we're um, we're supporting and helping plan a key conference that's coming up in June called the M Enabling Summit, which we always speak at. And we have some other great partnerships with uh, some disability advocate groups, the American Federation for the Blind, National Association for the Deaf, World Institute on Disabilities. So lots of opportunities always emerging, ways to work together, but enough blather for me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian. No, I think it speaks to how important this issue really is to act. Um, and I think just, you know, we have a, an ongoing conversation in a Slack channel. And one of the things that we've learned recently is that Apple is proposing accessibility emojis. Um, they're including guide dogs, hearing aids, prosthetic limbs, and a series of wheelchair emoji. And it sounds like something so trivial, but even something as basic as an emoji can make a huge difference when it comes to representing all populations. Because we use emojis every day. All every I do. day. And representation matters. It does. And now for our member minutes. This month, we're talking to Justin Hall, who was on our new Caller Revolution panel, and Betsy Furler, who was on our accessibility panel. Nick sat down with Justin and Betsy to talk about the panels from their perspective. Nick and Justin, you're up first. All right, we are now joined by Justin Hall, who is the president of BitSource, who participated in our Future of Work panel at South by Southwest. How are you doing today, Justin? Doing well, sir. How are you doing? I am doing fabulous. I'm so glad that you could join us uh, on the TechSwap podcast. So first things first, can you tell me a little bit about the, the panel that you participated on? Sure. Um, the panel is regarding the future of work, the new collar revolution. And specifically, uh, I was on the panel to kind of bring a perspective of what we've done at BitSource by uh, implementing the coal to code movement. Uh, we took um, out-of-work coal miners and basically taught them how to code, and now we have a software development shop. And so um, we're trying to be able to uh, transition and pivot for all these different disruptors that are coming in the future, different technologies, and we've proven that you can do that. You know, that's fantastic, and we were so uh, grateful that you could provide, you know, that sort of perspective um, on where we're going uh, in regard to, as you said, this new color revolution and the future of work. So from your panel and you know, I guess the whole South by Southwest experience, what was kind of your, your biggest takeaway uh, from this? And some, maybe the other panelists, whether it be um, you know, uh, Morgan or uh, Red Ants Pants and, and things like that, um, where do we go? What was your biggest takeaway and, and where do we go from here? Sure. Well, one of the things, uh, you know, I was just thankful to be on the, the panel with uh, such a good group and as Morgan pointed out 
you know, during the uh, <clears throat> panel that, um, you know, as we continue to go forward, as we continue to uh, iterate and do different things in technology, there's always going to be these uh, disruptors and these small businesses that are going to kind of come up and, and, um, and pave the way. And, uh, you know, I thought Sarah... Uh, did an excellent job and and especially with what she's done and her experience and you know what we were hoping to do uh, with BitSource is to be able to say you know we can take um, these these people that uh, aren't really considered the stereotype uh, for developers and we can uh, train them to do the work and so that's what I took away from the panel was that you know there's not really a traditional uh, way to do things uh, um, especially in tech anymore that that matters more than others so there's a, a little bit of a leveling of the playing field both white collar and blue collar uh, where they're going to kind of need each other need to have um, a, a, the ability to pivot in this new economy in the 21st century economy no you're absolutely right I you know being at your panel you know one of the things that I took away as well that was really cool is just it's so fundamental and a simple idea, but a lot of people just kind of get lost in it, is that this kind of coding and, and this sort of innovation uh, in, in general in, in the future moving forward isn't just reserved for, you know, the East Coast or the West Coast or these these traditionally high-tech, you know, areas. It, it can happen right there in, in, you know, Kentucky, and it can happen anywhere. It just uh, matters if, you know, people put in the sort of... Um, effort and, and try and, and try to, to, to push this forward. So, you know, I, I do really uh, appreciate that and everything that you guys are doing at, at BitSource. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, so taking a step back, uh, you know, what was kind of the, the coolest, you know, thing that you learned at South by Southwest in general, maybe outside of the panel? I know you didn't get to, you know, stay in Austin for too long, but um, anything cool that you, you, you saw or caught up on while you were there? Oh, yeah, there were so many things. And one of the things that just impressed me, a lot about Austin was just how <clears throat> the um, the event kind of coalesced around several different disciplines, and that uh, you know you could see the interactive, you could see the tech, you could see the creativity in you know pretty much all of the uh, booths and all of the floor uh, and the show floor, and see that we all have one thing, and is we want to create things, we want to uh, we want to bring value to our lives. So I was. I, I sort of came away from that with uh, a little bit of inspiration to say, okay, this is going on all over the world, so we can do this in Appalachia. No, that's fantastic. So, Justin, thank you so much for your time and joining the Tech Swamp podcast. Uh, for those of you that want to check out what the awesome things that BitSource is doing, you can visit their website at bitsourceky.com. That's bitsourceky.com. Thanks again, Justin. Thank you, Nick. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us on TechSwamp, Justin. Betsy's joining us now. Nick, take it away. We are now joined by Betsy Furler, a cognitive accessibility consultant who was uh, part of the ACT panel, Yes, We Can, Accessibility and Technology panel on South by Southwest. Betsy, thank you so much for joining us on the TechSwamp podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Nick? I'm doing fantastic. So let's get into this panel. Can you tell me a little bit uh, about what was going on, who was on it, uh, and maybe some of your biggest takeaways? Sure. So the panel, I think it went great. Um, it was me and then Sarah Herlinger from Apple. We also had Richard Ellenson, 
from the Cerebral Palsy Foundation and Haben Gurma, who is a advocacy attorney, and she was the first person who is deaf and blind to attend Harvard Law School. So they were fantastic. I love the panel because it gave a broad overview of accessibility from a variety of different views. We all kind of have the same mission, but we're coming at it from different places. I'm an independent consultant. Sarah works for a large corporation. Richard works in the nonprofit segment. And then Haben works with the legal part and advocacy. So we talked about kind of what was going on now with accessibility. And then we talked about future innovation and what we wanted to see. So it was really wonderful. We also had a great audience. We had a great attendance. And the biggest takeaway for me was the enthusiasm that I saw for people in the tech world to include more accessible features in their products and the enthusiasm that we had in the audience. No, that is, that is fantastic. And it does really sound like uh, an impressive panel. Um, and it... From t saying what you uh, said about the like audience and things like that, I bet it was kind of really rewarding for you know seeing such like a large company like Apple and the Cerebral Palsy Foundation and and you know with Haven and you coming together to talk about such a critical issue, which I feel like a lot of people f sometimes feel left behind in, in this context. Yes, and I felt like it was very inclusive. I felt our panel was inclusive. I felt like our audience was inclusive, and I really, really was impressed with the amount of um, audience members we had there with our attendance. Yeah. It was at the very end of the interactive part of South by Southwest, so we could have had a very low turnout, and we had a pretty much a full room there, and lots of interaction, lots of questions and answers at the end as well. Yeah, it was awesome. So taking a step back from the, the panel, what uh, was your... Uh, the biggest thing that you learned at South by Southwest in general, or I'll give the option, what was the funnest thing that you did? <laughs> I did a ton of fun things. My biggest takeaway from South by Southwest is always the incredible networking. I made so many great connections with other professionals, and I learned so much. Um, I really enjoyed getting to know Haben and getting her point of view on accessibility. And I made a lot of connections. And that's, that's always my biggest takeaway is the connections that I make there. No, it is really a fantastic place to really meet people um, that are very passionate about their, their different areas. Um, but Betsy, I want to thank you so much for uh, you know, joining the TechSwamp podcast uh, from my understanding, you have a podcast of your own, is that right? I do. I have a podcast called Your App Lady, and my life purpose is to get everyone as enthusiastic about the wonderful things that technology can do for us, as I am. So my podcast is all about technology and apps and how they can improve everyone's lives. That's fantastic. Well, we'll have a link to the Your App Lady podcast in our show notes. So check that out on the ACT website. Uh, Betsy, once again, thank you so much for joining us on the TechSong podcast, and we hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks. Now it's time for our random identifier. Um, this is where we talk about things that we're obsessed with. Caitlin, what are you sharing with us this time around? 
Well, about two years ago, I started following this Instagram account by Mari Andrew. She is a writer and illustrator who posts these really simple but really like beautiful cartoon-esque watercolor drawings. She tackles everything from living with a life-changing disease that actually did cause her to have a disability to bad dates and pretty much everything in between. She somehow manages to strike this perfect tone between serious and sensitive, but really honest and funny. And I'm really excited because I happen to see she's coming to DC on Thursday to promote her uh, new book titled, Am I There Yet? She'll be at Sixth and I, and I cannot wait to go and support a female author and artist. It is also a really great venue. It's a converted synagogue, and so it's yeah. really beautiful. And yeah, I was privileged, I'm going to say privileged enough to see uh, Adele sing there when oh her goodness. she did her like first tour for her first record in the US. Um, and I cried. It was amazing. <laughs> um, and I would also say probably the thing that I am going to say is my random identifier, which is just going to keep happening throughout uh, probably the entirety of Tech Swamp, which is that oh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, listen, Nick, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is back and it is so good. There have been two new episodes from this season. So funny. So on point. I am so into this season. And Sterling K. Brown is in next week's episode. And I literally cannot contain my excitement. And I'm just really excited about it. So, you know what, Nick, one day you're going to watch it, and then you're going to join me in, and almost everyone else in the act office, I would also <laughs> like to point out, in our love for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So just, like, be prepared, Nick. I like to be the outlier, but speaking of sort of outliers and <laughs> unexpected things, it would be unexpected if I actually watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine, oh. by the way. But, Alex, you're alma mater. I went to UMBC. Yes, it's unbelievable. Go if, big dogs. If, <laughs> yes, if, if anyone has been out there and as obsessed with March Madness as I am, uh, UMBC, the Retrievers, Chesapeake yeah. Bay Retrievers. Well, right? we're just called the Retrievers, the, the retrievers. UMBC Retrievers, but it is a Chesapeake Bay Retriever, specifically, named True Grit. <laughs> named True Grit, that's an awesome <laughs> nickname. One uh, word, two words. Uh, first name true, last name great. Yeah, that's how I okay. always is. And like oh. on the D hall, it's true. Okay, gotcha. So. But so they <laughs> uh, accomplished the greatest upset in men's tournament basketball history Go uh, big during the first round, and uh, they almost won the second round. It was a close game, but I just have to give you credit. I know you're not the biggest. I mean. It's pretty much Sports my unwavering fan. support for my alma mater that led us to this moment. And thank you, Brian, for being the commissioner of our... Do Is it a commissioner? That's fantasy football. No, I mean, I, I think... You're like the leader of our bracket I think system. Brian would take on commissioner. Sure. Yeah. I, I will have to say, though, the commission. Brian, last time I checked, you and I are doing very poorly yeah. in this. And actually, Alex and uh, Caitlin and Joel are the only ones that have an opportunity to win at this point, so... Congrats to my fellow co-hosts. I will. I won last year, and I will win again. And you guys just watch out. You'll yeah. win again, but not this year. No, no, not this year. Thanks for rubbing that in, It's big of you, though. It's big of you. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you saying that. So we didn't get any questions from our members this month, so that's it for Tech Swamp. But if you heard anything on here that piqued your interest head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And we want to give a shout out to Brad Goodall, who composed the podcast Awesome Music. Thanks, Brad. 
And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And of course, we'd love a rate and review. Five stars, please. We would love that. Um, special thanks to Justin Hall and Betsy Furler for being our first member guests on Tech Swamp. And thanks to Brian and Roya for joining us. Um, that's all for today, folks. Everyone say bye. Bye. bye.